Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be understood as or considered a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Welcome back, everyone. This is Adam Childers, your host of the podcast Briefly Legal, brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. I'm doing today's podcast from the Crow's Nest here in Oklahoma City, but I'm going to be lucky enough to be uh, joined by a guest in one of our three offices, uh, and that is our Tulsa office today. We were going to be doing an episode today about avoiding bankruptcy and making the right decisions when bankruptcy is on the horizon, but, you know, lawyers and busy schedules, we needed to move a few things around, and that opened up a a great opportunity that really fell into our laps to switch things up a bit and discuss a topic that many professionals may have felt within this past year, especially, but really at any time in your career, and that is stress and burnout. Now, today's guest is going to be talking a lot about stress and burnout as it relates to the legal profession. So I'm going to be putting myself on the couch today. I expect to be well-adjusted and, and, and ready to take on the world when our discussion is done. But I want to stress that, you know, when it comes to burnout, this is something that's universal in all high-functioning professional capacities. I think that there's something to be learned, not only about how this could impact uh, your life if you're a non-attorney and a professional, but also... So how to deal with your own in-house counsel, uh, your external counsel that you deal with, and understanding what motivates them, what makes them tick. So without further ado, we are lucky to be joined by Angie Hooper, who is the founder of Happy at Law, LLC. She's also a certified professional coach. So say hello to everyone. I guess I should say uh, Coach Hooper. Hi, thanks. I'm really excited to be here. I love Crow and Dunleavy. When uh, all the years I practiced law, you guys were on my short list every time I had an issue. So I'm happy to be here. Well, that's very kind of you. Appreciate it, Angie. And we can't express enough how happy we are to have you here on short notice and and get to be a part of today's show. Um, Just so our audience knows a little bit more about Angie, she is licensed to practice law in both Oklahoma and Texas. She holds a law degree from one of the best law schools around, Southern Methodist University's Dedman School of Law. Her passion really is helping attorneys save their careers from stress and burnout, and she shows them how to fall back in love with their profession. But as I mentioned, while we're going to focus on attorneys, I can tell you that the lessons to be learned here are really universal and I think important for everyone tuning in for today's podcast. So, Angie, let's dive right into this. And, you know, I think the first question that comes to mind when I, you know, learned what you do and, and, and heard about Happy at Law is, how did this happen? Where, where, why did, <laughs> how did you get to this place? Yeah, it, it was a, a really wonderful set of circumstances. And I feel really honored that my career has taken me to this place where I can pay back to the profession because practicing law was really good to me for 22 years. And um, over that time, I found myself mentoring junior lawyers, peers, really helping people with some of those life and career issues that would come up and be such a struggle. And I had the advantage, I guess you would say, of 
having a really, really stressful first three years out of school. Um, I worked at a firm where I really, every day I walked in and I thought today's the day they're going to fire me. Mm. It was just that kind of environment. And it turned out that that wasn't true, which I discovered after I finally sort of gave up on law firm. I I thought it was me not being right for law firms Um, and went in house at a big energy company and Three months later, Enron filed for bankruptcy, 9-11. We had an affiliate that got caught up in the telecom bust. The world absolutely fell apart around us. And rather than sort of feeling defeated by that and feeling almost like, I I knew people that were like, I'm out. I'm not going to practice law anymore. This is too hard. I looked around and I saw two kinds of lawyers. I saw the lawyers that felt defeated by the circumstances and stressed out and and really struggled. And I saw the lawyers who were having the adventure of a lifetime. And Mm. I thought, how do I get myself into that group? And so over the years, as I developed these techniques to really build that excitement and resilience and passion for law from the inside out, I had the greatest career I think anybody could could wish for, but it wouldn't have been everybody's cup of tea. And that's what I do now. As I as I got to a place in my life where I wanted to really have a greater impact on the profession and help other lawyers have the experience that I had, that's that's how I started Happy at Law. That is great. So I don't, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with the 2016 ABA study. Uh, Tell me about it. 2016, the ABA got together with the Betty Ford Hazelden Clinic. And you can Google this. It's out there. Um, And they surveyed thousands of practicing attorneys across the country. And the numbers were dire. Hmm. Um, Alcohol use, uh, anxiety, depression is really, really concerning numbers. And we've seen over the past few years law firms and bar associations begin to take steps to address this really, really concerning level of life impactful stress and burnout. So we, you know, it's tempting to think, oh, it's just a little stress, right? Toughen up. And that's really not what we're talking about. And for anyone who's in that high achieving, really competitive professional environment, or who's in a position to assist and help and manage people in that environment. We've got to figure out how we're going to support that kind of culture and get the best from people. There's no doubt about it. Crow and Dunleavy was the premier sponsor for the Oklahoma HR State Conference last week. And there was some uh, there was a topic that was discussed there amongst human resources professionals about, you know, how do you balance the, the you know, taking in all of that information where, you know, people are believe they're being harassed or discriminated mm-hmm. against, or you're trying to, you know, balance a budget or you get out payroll and, and, you know, how do you find any time for yourself in it? So to the point that we made earlier, that stress and burnout, it, it translates to bad results in a lot of different areas and, and mm-hmm. it's something that you've got to control. So when it comes to attorneys, one thing that I've seen uh, a lot of focus on is, well, we'll just call it yoga for lawyers, right? <laughs> kind of the, the meditative uh, effect of just trying to learn to yeah. breathe a little bit. What What's your take yeah. on that? Is that a good solution? Um, I have a little love hate with the yoga for lawyers, uh, free stress CLE. Um, and the reason is, is that a lot of these things are set up with good intentions to sort of help somebody get through the day. And 
at the end of the day, they haven't addressed the core issue underneath their level of stress and burnout, which can can vary from person to person. And, and we can talk about that in a second. But this whole idea that an hour of yoga is going to sort of relieve all your stress is really a little bit of a Pollyanna point of view on it, right? Mm. Now, if you've just spent two weeks getting ready for a trial or a closing or year-end reporting. I know you've got HR folks and once a year where they're trying to get all those reviews in. You've just spent a couple of weeks working towards a massive deadline and you need an hour to breathe because that's the first thing most of us do when we're stressed out is just stop breathing, right? You think you're breathing and you're not. Um, Then it can be great for that. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a Band-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, and I, I find that sometimes when we do things just to say we did them, you know, Mm -hmm. and and check the box, you know, all we're really doing is contributing to the problem. And in some ways you're making it worse. Your point's well taken. Yeah. Well, the thing is, especially in a really competitive environment, right. And, you know, we're lawyers. So we think about it in terms of lawyers, we've been trained to compete since we were little kids. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, But many, many high achieving professions are in that boat also. And so when they're thinking about, admitting weakness or admitting that they need some support, it is really, really tough to say, I'd like to get to the root of this stress as opposed to, oh yeah, I went and I, I did yoga for an hour. I, I did my, I did my meditation. I'm fine. I'm fine. I did meditation. I won yoga. Actually, I went to yoga. I got all the way to the floor. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> out yoga me. <laughs> Nobody out yoga me. <laughs> so you just mentioned kind of, you know, a lot of lawyers, myself included, you know, I was competitive from the, you know, the moment they snip the umbilical cord. And, uh, <laughs> but what's interesting is when you talk to lawyers, the reason a lot of them, you know, retire at the desk, as they say, is that becomes their identity. You know, in mm-hmm. fact, when we're in law school, yeah. we're even told like the biggest thing they're doing is not teaching the law so much as they are teaching you to think like a lawyer. Right. Yes. And, and in some way that becomes your identity. But talk to me about that. Is that something that contributes to the problems that you see for our profession? Yeah, totally. And the thing is, what we need to remember is that thinking like a lawyer is a professional skill set that we learned when we went to law school. It was never supposed to be our entire identity. But you see this a lot of the time. And and probably everybody knows somebody that just can't hang it up because they don't know who they are without being a lawyer, right? They've become so disconnected to their core sense of identity without that thinking like a lawyer, they they just don't know who they would be if they retired or if they took a step back, right? Right. And so it feeds into this whole function of we get out of school, we got to pass the bar, then we got to find a great job at a firm or in-house, then we got to make partner, right? Or we got to get to GC or AGC, right? So there's all these steps along the way. And we've become disconnected to who we are without it. And so we take it home. I don't know if anybody's ever like lawyered their spouse or their sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) so to to that very point, (laughs) when I have um, taken a deposition all day long or I've been in trial, Mm -hmm. uh, my family will tell me they know it and they'll say, stop cross-examining us. And it's because (laughs) I can't turn off kind of this Belligerence is the wrong word, but it is a dogged determination to get them to give me the answer that I want right now. And they remind me, you've got to leave that at work. It's difficult to do. 
It is tough to do. And one of the things that makes it tough is that because thinking like a lawyer or anybody who's super analytical, right? But because thinking like a lawyer is such a valuable, highly skilled set of skills, right? Is that we will sometimes squeeze out other things, right? So you can't, for example, think your feelings. But when you think like a lawyer, a lot of times you're trying to think your feelings instead of feeling them. And when we do that, we're shutting down part of what it means to be human, which is why at Happy at Law, we talk about humans having a lawyering experience. And so that's for lawyers, but it can also be for clients because clients feel it when we are disconnected from them. When we don't care about the deal or the case, like we've, we've you know, we're professional, so we're going to like not not be attached. Right. They feel it. Well, I'm glad you raised that issue because another uh, thing I wanted to talk to you about is something I think lawyers and really professionals across the board struggle with, which is, you know, do you focus on the client and the outcome or, mm. or do you decide to detach a little bit from it? And I'm just going to give you an example. I had a case as a young associate. It took up uh, three and a half years of my time. I invested, you know, heart, body, and soul into this case. It settled on the, uh, you know, on the steps of the courthouse, and I felt a tremendous loss. And mm -hmm. I told myself for a few years after that, well, I'm just not going to care as much about the cases. But that didn't work either. And and so I suspect that's part of the balance that you're talking about in the happy at law, you know, addresses. So so use that as a model. Tell me, tell me how that plays into the help that you provide. Yeah, it's a really common strategy because you you think it will make sense, right? Like it hurts when I don't get the outcome I want for my client. And first of all, we have to admit that it hurts, right? Because first of all, we're super competitive. We're used to winning. We're used to achieving. And when you have an adversarial system, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I, I spent most of my career as a M&A lawyer doing complex commercial transactions. But my first three years out of school, I did litigation. Yeah. And I couldn't hack it. I, I got too wrapped. I acted like it was my money on the table. I was so mad all the time. And it was really <laughs> useful experience because it was what you're talking about, right? So on the one hand, we want to care. We want to be committed to our clients and let our passion come through. That's how we have the greatest experience of being a lawyer. But it's making the distinction between I care about this because I believe in what I'm doing because taking this action to make sure that my client's rights are protected that, and whether that's a civil case or a criminal case, a divorce case, or in a, in an M and a, or a business negotiation, right? We've, we've all seen those circumstances where one side or the other has a lot of bargaining power and if you're the side that doesn't have it, you want to go to bat for your client, right? But rather than wrapping our identity in that or thinking that the outcome means something about me, if I can take that situation and say, this really fits my core value of stewardship, of making the world better everywhere I go, or it fits my value of being part of the community, right? My community values. Then I can be super passionate and committed about the matter, the case, and not so much about whether I win or lose. That's that's the navigation that we're helping people make. Yeah. And one that 
lawyers and professionals struggle with on a daily basis, to be sure. Before we finish things out, I, you and I had kind of talked a little bit even before the show began. This is an interesting thing and obviously a hot topic for human resources professionals. Tell us how addressing the human side of being a lawyer, in your mind, is the key to solving mm-hmm. diversity issues within our profession? Because that, that is a an ongoing problem and has been for a long time. Yeah. What we're seeing is that people will leave the profession, people who are um, in some of those categories, we want more representation, right? And they're leaving the profession at about year three to five and at about year 20. And those are the points where if we can reach in and help them see how their core values can actually be better expressed through practicing law and not in spite of practicing law, then we can unlock their passion for the profession. And that's what keeps people in. When they see and have the emotional fulfillment and can be the person they want to be through practicing law, it makes it that much easier for them to stay in. And they don't feel pushed out because they feel like what they're doing makes a difference. It's a great lesson to be learned as we strive to get better diversity in our ranks. Something that, you know, the law firm of Crone Dunlavey has been pushing for a long time since, uh, you know, really around 2000 when we got behind some diversity initiatives. And I'm glad to hear, you know, that that's part and parcel of the coaching that that you're doing as well. Now, it's almost time for us to wrap up. And obviously, for those of you who have listened in today, you can tell that Angie is an engaging and dynamic personality. But I do want to give you a chance to share a couple of tidbits about your personal life that I bet no one would have guessed (laughs) coming into this. We were talking earlier. Is this true? Did you get a black belt in Taekwondo at the age of 48? I did. I did. And it was legit. I, I had to, it took about five hours to take my black belt test. And I was fighting these like 20 something guys who were way more fit than I was. And, <laughs> and I, so I tell you what, if, if I ever wondered if I could take a hit that was uh, literal, I, I, I did it. I did. It was great. I, I loved my school. I, it was a great experience. So you, you can be happy at law, but if somebody makes you unhappy, <laughs> you, you know how to you know, set things straight. And the other thing that I thought was just uh, intensely interesting, too, is that uh, you spent a little bit of your childhood growing up on a tropical island. Tell us about that. Yeah, my my dad was in charge of building a factory in the free trade zone in Penang, Malaysia. And so he packed us all up and took us with him. So went to the international school there. And really, it was such an amazing experience at that age to be the person who wasn't like everybody else to find yourself immersed in a culture that was different and also, you know, beautiful sandy beaches. That was good too. (laughs) Never a bad thing. I I think I've just decided that when I grow up, I want to be Angie Hooper. So, uh, well, thank you, Angie, for joining us today to talk with us about these important issues of stress and burnout that, you know, not only affect our industry, you know, that being the practice of law, but really is important for professionals across all industries. We're going to be sure to provide some links to your social media. Uh, Angie is extremely active on all the social media platforms. There's going to be a link to her free uh, masterclass, Five Keys Our Clients Use to Fall Back in Love with Practicing Law. You'll also have a link to her Facebook where she's live two to three times a week and as well as her Instagram 
and her uh, LinkedIn, uh, which is a nice reminder to uh, also follow Crow and Dunleavy on our various social media platforms, including LinkedIn, as well as Twitter and Facebook. So that's a wrap for today. This is your host, Adam Childers. We look forward to meeting with you again next time on the podcast, Briefly Legal. <laughs>